Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. He's back in the bullpen today. We have Andrew Donaldson. Andrew Donaldson is a conservative radio host and commentator with Young Voices. He is the managing editor of Ordinary Times Magazine and a widely published writer, smart guy, decent fellow. Good to have you. Quite the intro, thank you very much, sir. Great <laughs> to be back talking to you again. Absolutely, man. All right, we're gonna have fun with this one. Oh, so, Matt Gates. <laughs> Matt Maddie, Gates. Maddie, Maddie. Uh, under criminal investigation, obviously, still for uh, sex trafficking and underage girl, at least one, maybe more. Uh, he said during a press conference that Donald Trump and him had a conversation about Trump becoming Speaker of the House. I don't want to presume what you know, believe about that topic. So I will give you an opportunity to express your sentiment. <sighs> well, first of all, if Matt Gates told me two plus two was four, I'd check the source material just to <laughs> confirm okay. it. But just for the sake of the conversation, let's take him at his word on this. Let's use an old phrase we've been using a lot during the Trump era. Do we take this literally? Do we take it seriously or neither? Let's take the literal part first. I don't think this is happening. Yes, there's machinations where you could make somebody the Speaker of the House. That would take a lot of votes. That would take a lot of people who have spent their whole lives trying to become Speaker of the House, taking a sidestep to that. And I don't think Donald Trump really wants to do that job and that work anyway, because he clearly has a plan for 2024, if not running for office himself, which a lot of people think he does. He's certainly building a fundraising mechanism that being Speaker of the House would get in the way of. So let's just say that's not gonna be literal. So do we take it seriously? Well, the, the actual part of Trump becoming that isn't probably serious, but what it tells us about what these folks are thinking, we should take very serious. Uh, Kevin McCartney is in a whole heap of trouble. Uh, there's this, whatever you wanna call this caucus that is very loyal to Donald Trump, doesn't want Kevin McCarthy arising to the speakership. They're being open about it. Marjorie Taylor Greene flat out said it last week. And Gates is kind of floating this as well. So the, what's really going on here is the Republican Party is sensing power. They and a lot of other people think they're gonna do very well in 2022. They think they're going to get the House. And what we're seeing now is jockeying position. But when it comes to Matt Gates and these folks, they really only have one note, one song and one tool in the tool bag. And that is to pull out Donald Trump. Yep. It's all they can talk about. It's all they can think about. It's all he really has is his political identity. So he has to be the most at it than anybody else. I think that's probably what's really going on here. He's getting lots of great press. You and me are spending time talking about it today. So he's winning as far as that goes. Is it really gonna happen? I doubt it. Is it gonna move numbers and move fundraising? Probably is it putting more and more pressure on Kevin McCarthy, who's in a lot of trouble and is probably in a lot of trouble when we go to do some voting here come January, if they get the house. I think that's probably the part you take seriously. There's a lot of moving parts here. This is just one little piece of it. Yeah, and so I do get tagged a lot about this topic and people ask the question, is it even possible? Yes, article one, section two does not say you have to be a member of Congress. As a matter of fact, uh, we've had people voted on um, or they received votes who never ser served in Congress. Um, Stacey Abrams has received votes to be speaker uh, and others. So yeah, it is possible, it's never happened before, but it's possible. I actually agree with you. I think this gives us an idea, a glimpse into their strategy. So what is their strategy? Their strategy is to place personality over policy. That's their strategy. 
So here's what I believe about conservatives and the Republican Party today. I think you all have been hijacked or conservatives at large have been hijacked with a very personality driven agenda to where policy debates are on the back burner to personality conflicts. So now you have these personality warriors like Matt Gates or Marjorie Taylor Greene or Boebert. They're all about the person and personality, not only their personality and their brand, not only the brand of Donald Trump, but then also the personality of how they choose heroes and villains. So to them, Dr. Fauci is a villain, Rittenhouse is a hero. Well, all of that is in the realm of public opinion, but none of that is in the realm of actual legislative policy. So because I believe they are incapable of true legislative prowess. They lean on their strengths, which is to create policy, which is to create personal chaos when they have no policy core. Do you disagree with me on that sentiment? I don't and I think the reason why that is, is because that's how they get power. That's how they get their fundraising base. That's how they get attention. And remember, these are not traditional politicians. These are folks that came up in this movement in the Trump era. This is all they know how to do. They didn't start at like a local level and work their way up, that sort of thing. This is gonna be interesting watch from Republican Party. You're seeing some movement away from this, for example, Dan Chris. Crenshaw, the representative from Texas, he came out and fired some bombs at the Freedom Caucus and some of these same folks again, because he's a smart guy. He sees that there's a power situation coming up. He understands if the Republicans take power, now this paradigm is gonna be shifted and they're not just throwing bombs at the people in charge, they're gonna be in charge. They're gonna be the ones responsible for all this stuff. And they know that there's a limited about, a limited amount that this is gonna play when you're in charge and you're in the chair, because in two years, you're gonna have this election all over again. and if if you mess it up, the voters are going to punish you for it. So the smart ones are knowing that. And we don't want to broad brush everybody like that. But the people like Gates, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, like Representative Barbert, they are so one note on all this stuff. They're just the example to use of this is not going to do any, this is all they're going to do. They've got nothing else besides this. Any policy they come up with is going to be based on this. And that's why even people who were with Donald Trump, they're going to at some point have to take a step aside from these folks because they're going to have to be in charge and run the Congress. If if you really let Matt Gates do what he says, where he's in charge and the other people he named like Gosser, who's <laughs> really, really questionable, let's just be right. nice about it. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, if they were really in charge, which are not gonna let them be by the way, you would have a bloodbath electorally two years after that. They know this, so watch very carefully. You're starting to see some seams, you'll see some more seams. And if they actually come into power and they have a speaker election, I think this really could be quite an ugly fight. Now, man, let me say something, brother. And I think you're making a mistake that you all made years ago. When you say that these people would never be in power, it would never happen, they would never allow it. You all were saying the same thing about Donald Trump when about 20 damn Republicans were running. And listen, let's be fair, all right? I'm gonna be very fair to you. You all had some good damn Republicans running for president. You all did. I mean, some quality statesmen, contrary to my political belief and my ideology, but they believed in something. Uh, and they would have never treated the institution of the presidency like Donald Trump did, all right? So I, I want you to be careful about that language. I am, uh, I am uh, really, really interested to know your answer on this. I have a theory about both Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, many people know they have traveled around this country. They're doing fundraisers, they're peas in a pot, you know. But I think Matt Gates is playing a game. I think he's gaming everybody. 
I think he has shifted his politics to be a distraction to his personal issues and his inability to truly engage in policy. But I think Marjorie Taylor Greene, man, I think she's a true believer, brother. I think Marjorie Taylor Greene really believes this foolishness. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? I I don't want to read minds because I'm not a mind reader. All I have is the evidence of their actions to judge them on. Marjorie Taylor Greene strikes me as somebody who we all know somebody like that. She <laughs> She's had money, she's had money and I'm just gonna be blunt here. She's had money that came from her family connections. It's not money that she went out and earned. She's had a sort of, and I know this word gets abused and people roll their eyes, but I think it applies here. She's had a privilege in her lifespan that has narrowed her worldview down to just her. So true believer, I think it's just stuff that kind of interlocks into the way she sees the world anyway. It's all about her and that just kind of all fits together like a glove. Gates is a really interesting case. Remember, he's a third generation politician. Right. Uh, His father and his grandfather were very powerful figures in the state of Florida. He, He knows how the political game is played. So for him, it's a little harder for me to judge, and I and I, I I do not care for the man at all. So understand why I'm saying it this way. I'm just analyzing here. He he, there's got to be a measure. He knows how this game's played. He comes from a long line of politicians. He's not a dumb individual. How much of it is true believer, and how much of it is branding? I don't know. But it's so combined now. I don't know that it really matters that much because he just wants to be the standard bearer. He calls himself Firebrand proudly. That's probably an appropriate term for him. Uh, does it really matter where the one stops and the other starts? Because he's playing this role all the time. He's living the gimmick, we would call it, if you were yeah. doing pro wrestling. I don't know how much it matters that he does. But yeah, he knows the game, he's playing the game, but he is the game right now, so we should judge him accordingly. And I think that's the fair way to address him. You know, you have a lot of, of common sense and you are okay with it. There are people that have common sense in your party, in your conservative sphere. They don't want to use it. They don't want to show people they have common sense. So uh, they play along. They play along with the big lie. They play along with uh, the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world and, and the Trump. Uh, the Trump supporting rhetoric. But I wanna present this to you, man. Sure. Cause what are you all gonna do right now? Now, and I mean this seriously, mm-hmm. Trump only has a hold of about 30% of your base. Like all statistical data says, uh, 28, 32, the highest I saw was 34. Like that's never gonna let go 100% Donald Trump. Which means you all still have, I mean, Conservatives like yourself, you all still are the majority of the party, but you're scared of that 30% because of what they're willing to do to you, how they're willing to vilify you, how they're willing to polarize you. What are y'all gonna do? I think there's something happening. If you look at 2020 and you look at, for example, the Virginia elections we just had, election participation is going way up. So I think that percentage is going to move around and I think you're gonna have some more burnout with Donald Trump. So some of this may be an attrition type of an issue. I can't speak for everybody, but I know why some of those people do. We already covered it with the Gateses and the Marjorie Taylor Greens. They're invested in it, they have a business model attached to it. They're not gonna let that go because engagement is money and those people are the most engaged, so they tend towards that. We've got a long way to go here. This midterm, let's 
let's take you know your favorite state, Georgia. Is Donald Trump's involvement in Georgia going to be a positive or negative? I'd argue it's probably going to be a negative. How's that affect him going down the road? There's a lot of time for him, for Donald Trump to wear out his welcome even more. If he keeps focusing on that engagement while more people get engaged. Remember, Joe Biden got record numbers and Donald Trump did turn out more voters, but it wasn't as many as Joe Biden turned out. There's more people getting involved in the process now. So that 30% might get even smaller just by attrition over time. I don't think you're gonna change people's minds on a lot of things, but I, I think there just may be a natural evolution away from it. I know that's not the answer a lot of people want because they want people to stand up and say, no, I'm done and walk away. That's not how a lot of people work though. It's gonna be a slower burn, I think. And let's be honest, the people like Gates, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, like Donald Trump himself can do, they wear people out. And if they get more time and more airtime, they may wear out. And I'll take your criticism that we can't say, well, it'll never happen because it happened with Trump. I was wrong on Trump, I'll admit that too, like a lot of folks. But uh, we still gotta have some faith in the American people in the long run, no matter what their party stripes are or their priors to kinda grow a little bit and evolve a little bit. You never wanna pigeonhole people and say they can never get any better. You know, you say that, and I don't have much faith in Republican voters, and let me tell you why. Damn near 70% of Republican voters think it's important what you believe about the election being stolen from Trump. That basically, if you believe that the election was stolen, you're a Republican, you're good, you're good to go. Mm. If you don't believe that, we have a problem. That one test that has nothing to do with the value structure, has nothing to do with the policy, has nothing to do with the platform of the Republican Party. But 70% of likely Republican voters say it is important that you believe the election was stolen from Donald Trump. What say you to that? It's it's a disconcerting thing because I looked into it, I studied it myself. I yeah. found that very little, you know, you can find isolated cases, but certainly nothing systemic, certain nothing that was gonna overturn an election of that magnitude. You know, it's just not true. If it was true, I would be saying so because I don't really worry about the right, I worry about getting it right. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to make other people do that other than I try to convince people as best I can in my own advocacy. I try to partner with people that do the same. I can't change people's minds and neither can anybody else for that matter. When you have something that's just an abstract fact, this happened, this is how it broke. And when you obviously are going a different way with it, then it's something other than the fact is why you are doing it. Is it an identity thing? Is it a marker thing? Is it, you know, it's almost like a chant at a ball game, really. It's just you're joining in with the crowd sort of thing. I don't know why the individual people do that, but that's the problem with it. You know, you you have to at some point just have some personal accountability didn't used to be a dirty word in conservative circles. Mm-hmm. I still try to adhere to it as best as I can. Personal accountability for me is I look at it, if it's right or wrong, I say what it's right or wrong, and then I adjust course accordingly. Uh, I hope everybody does that. I can't make them do that, but that's what I'm gonna do, and I hope more people will do so. You know, there was a time, brother, where we would debate good faith, right? Like you and I right. doing, we're having a conversation. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree. Sure. Uh, but it's a good faith conversation, it's a good faith debate. Here's what has happened. We're now debating if a fact is true or not. <laughs> that yeah. That's what it has devolved into. Uh, what are you getting? Are you getting any sense from the conservative movement that uh, more and more people on that side of the aisle are starting to get wise to the um, chaos that Trump will bring them if he continues to lead the party? 
I think so because even if they win the midterms, you're gonna if you're gonna win in 2024, you're gonna have to do something with it. Just winning that by That's itself right. ain't gonna be enough. Because remember, President Obama did not do well in his first win midterm. Right. Reelected comfortably, you can go all through history. That's this. This is a historic cycle thing that you're dealing with midterms on top of all the other stuff. Just historically and cyclically, the out of party power does really well in a midterm. But that's not good enough once you lead, and then you got two more years till the next election. I think that. But let me let me go deep on something you said a minute ago though okay. about why people do this. I think it's a it's what I've started calling avataring. Instead of having their own thoughts and their own principles, they mm. just latch on to somebody and they become their avatar and then whatever they do, that's what they believe because it's easier to do that and put all the blame on them and put all the onus on that person. So you're seeing a lot of that. When it comes down to their own power, like we're gonna be seeing in Congress we were talking about, I think you'll start seeing some people peel off because they're gonna be like, well, wait a minute, if this just goes to warrant destruction for no purpose, you know, you don't have the White House trappings to go along along with that, a lot of people might think that price is way too high now. Even if it's not an ethical and moral good decision, it might just be a good business decision. People might start peeling off a little bit. Man, you said something really powerful about the, the avatar aspect of this. Um, I do gang deprogramming. I've been a gang deprogrammer mm. for years. And what I see, group think, psychology, all of these dynamics, um, the the identity of the tribal leader, like all of that is can be contextualized in what's happening politically now. You have the same group uh, think ideology. You have this uh, personification of the group leader or tribal leader. You're not able to independently think, and you basically create a belief structure around the command of the person in charge. And it happens in a way that's so right. organic inside of them that they believe it is actually their belief. When it is not their belief, it is their indoctrination. It's the pattern of indoctrination. I appreciate you, brother, for being on the program. We're gonna have you back. Thank you as always. Anytime. All right. Anytime, sir. I greatly appreciate you. Same here.